Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Bing, 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 bing. Bing, 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 bing. What's happening? That fly you thought you killed is back. Oh, no. It's circling. It's got a knife. Should we start? No, it's fine. It's the killer fly. We got to get on with it, Claire. What else are we? You know, you've just we... cracked open a drink. That's right. I got a cool beverage. You've pre- you've personified. Is that the right word for it? A fly. I don't know what you're going to say. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hello, this is Suggestible, a podcast where we recommend you things to watch, read, and listen to. My name is Claire Tonti. James Clement is there also. We are married. I always sing Bing Bong at the start inexplicably. And then we get cracking with some recommendations. I think it's very inexplicable. We've, is it? we've gone mad. I've uh, gone now, mad. I have. I, rem- I remember last week. Uh, I love. I love uh, holding your feet to the fire, Claire, oh for a God, thing you know that I'm you not haven't consistent done. Ever. I know. So I like doing that. Uh, this is what I like doing. <laughs> so uh, last week, you, uh, you, we ended some turtles on a real low when you were asked I to bring in something. I feel like maybe it was actually a real high. And you disrespected everybody <laughs> who listened to this show. You disrespected me. And worst of all, you disrespected uh, yourself. Okay, I disagree. Did you or did you not ask me to bring in something Ninja Turtles later? You said anything. Unbelievable. And I think that I actually was very in the vein no. and brand of Claire by bringing in a wrap and then Th- wrapping. That's like going to somebody's birthday and forgetting and then they <laughs> and then you're like, oh, what do I have? And you open and you pull like and you go into your pockets and you pull out a receipt. How long have you known me? A million years. Like 17 years or something. Mm. You, you know I day, am yeah. a last minute loosey goosey woman. But inexplicably, as the word seems to be of this episode. <laughs> I tend to usually pull everything together at the last minute and it's awesome. That's funny you should say that because last week, and we have it on record, <laughs> so Collins, hopefully, who edits this, can put in a, um, yes, a yes, clip. Yes, yes, yes. We got a letter, a lovely email about uh, yes. from somebody who said you should, uh, about Project Hail Mary, a book that I've read. Oh, you I said. <laughs> you forgot to remind me. I oh, I forgot to remind you. And you no, said, I'm, I'm going to read that this week. And I said, no, you're not. And you said, no, I will. Anyway, Collings, here's the clip. Put it in here. You couldn't handle a book like this, Claire. I could handle it's it. It's too intellectual for oh, you. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Great book. New homework fire. task. Read this book before next week. Fine. I will. Don't I say that, Claire. Will. Don't say that. I will. <laughs> I'll. Yes, I will. And anyway, so now it's next week. Our time has moved forward. It is Lydia. And how was the book that you definitely read, Claire? Oh, no. I, I actually. Let's see you ninja wrap your way no. out of this one. <laughs> My name is Claire and I love to share no. many things about gardening. There's no rap. No, no raps. Rap. Oh, I haven't read the book. Oh, no. well, this is real cooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. Do you know what is so crazy about this is that not only did I not read the book? I did not remember anything about what you were going to say until the end of the statement where you reminded me. Oh, I know. And you knew. Yeah. And no, at no point during the week did you even remotely well, no, actually, suggest it. I was listening to last week's episode today because I, I, I thought at some point because you, you were going to recommend something that you didn't do, so I was going to remind you of 
How you got a thing left over? I thought you were reckoning what reminded me because I've got that. And I was going to be like, sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet. But as I was listening, I heard that part and I'm like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I said to myself, like this. Oh. You're always laughing like anyway, that, just weirdly alone in a room. I'm going to give you an out, okay? You oh, can. What, by shaming me publicly on a podcast. Yes, that's first. right. So Great. you can, uh, you could double down and say you're going to read it by next week. <laughs> yes. Or you could say, I will not read this book. God damn it, I'm going to read the buddy book. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do it. I have to do it. You're so busy. It's my pride. Just say no. No, I have to read it now. I say no to so much shit. I say no to literally <laughs> I know, everything. but that's because you're a miserable son of a bitch. Yeah, I and know. And I am a positive person. I am time hopeful. I always think I can do more than I can. Do you feel positive? I'm always like. Do you feel good now? Yes. No, I feel shackled. I feel shackled. You feel good making book. a declaration. I don't even reckon, remember what the bloody book is exactly. called. Exactly. Well, I'm going to leave what that is up it? to you. No. It's called. <laughs> Project Hail Mary. Oh, Lord, this is a Project Hail Mary. It certainly is. But there's a Hail Mary pass happening. I can tell I'm going to save it. You're not even going to like it. Project Hail Mary. Luckily for you, I read very quickly. Yeah, that, that's very lucky for me. I feel so fortunate. You should. In all of this. You uh, should. Anyways, let's, let's get oh, on with it. God. Let's get all on right. with your actual well, suggestion. Can I actually talk about the thing I was going to talk about last week that I didn't talk about? I mean, it doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't seem fair. This is right up your alley. Really? It's right up your hot little hands. Well, okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> My goodness. This is called Hup Department, Dark Web. Hup Department. Hot Department. Oh, okay. You've heard of these dudes, haven't you? I don't and think women, so. actually, these two together. So Hot Department Dark Web is an eight-part Australian sketch comedy web series made by Melbourne comedy duo Hot Department, oh. Honor Wolf and Patrick Dernan Silva with Liam Fitzgibbon. I know this because I'm subscribed to this YouTube channel because they've it's the Grouse House, it's Auntie Donna's production company. Correct. And they're currently producing Finding Yeezus, which is yes. an incredible documentary series. Uh, we've talked about it on the Weekly Planet, and those guys also did Finding Drago uh, previously in another podcast. Anyway, yeah, I know I know this, but I haven't watched it, so please, yeah. Ooh, it's so good. So it's mixing sketch with, and this is a little awkward, spoiler, warning alert, not spoiler, warning alert if you have little ears, maybe this isn't appropriate. It's a little rude. It's ruder than my usual suggestions. Oh my goodness. Mixing sketch with mutual masturbation. What? And I don't know why I could say that word. Anyway, and musical theatre, Hot Department is a sexually dysfunctional comedy duo with deep trauma and validation addiction. Oh, I love a validation addiction. <laughs> the series also features, as you mentioned, our favourite, Broden Kelly from Annie Donna. Big fan. Mark Banano. Big I don't fan. know why I say it like Mark. Mork. I said it like, hey, Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark. Anyway, that, that's, Mark Banano. Zachary Ruin, also from Ruane. Auntie Donna. Ruin. It's Ruane. 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 You've met him. He's been to our house. I know, I know. I've got, there's something wrong with my brain. Michelle Brazier and Reese Nicholson oh, as well, who I also love. So it's what just, it's so great. I wanted to talk briefly about the very first episode because I just think it's my favorite. Ad? It's just, I love it so much because Honor Wolf and Patrick Denham are in it as sort of Denham Silver are the two leads. It basically opens like an episode of Call the Midwife. Mm. And it just is a reminder of like sad, sad women in history. Oh, I love sad women in history. Um, but it is also very funny. Reese Nicholson plays the nun, and they're 
two oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like kind of friends. Like I don't know if you've watched a lot of Call the Midwife, but basically there's a lot of them being in a boarding house together Ooh. and they're all like in their 90s, in the 1940s, I'd say, Ooh, so maybe I even 1930s. The and they're always like smoking a cigarette and listening to records and saying things like, oh, darling, will you put that on? I'm going to put my curlers in now. Oh, we better not let the nuns see us. And, you know, that kind of vibe. And skipping around the room. So that's that's the sort of like vibe of the sketch. But it very quickly kind of descends into sort of this like sort of like queer relationship between the two women. And then Reese Nixon keeps coming in as this like omnipresent sort of like authority figure. Okay. And that kind of has juxtaposition with them like writing letters and stuff. It doesn't sound funny, but it's so Hilarious. I mean, everybody involved in that is incredible. So I'm it's not, absurd yeah, I'm and not weird and dark, and there's it's just it, it it manages to walk this really fine line of being really hilarious and weird and unsettling and kind of sexually charged and a bit about masturbation and commentary about like being queer and not being able to articulate your own feelings and nostalgia for like being young and kind of exploring your sexuality Ooh, and not I really sure even. Young what that is at that point. And so there's a bit of innocence in it too. And then it also, weirdly, I was really moved because it just reminded me of how bloody trapped women are in history. Sure. <laughs> Overall. As, um, you know. Good thing everything's all right things, now though. Yeah, correct. Exactly. So anyway, I really, I recommend it. It is quite weird and absurdist, which makes me think you will, you will love it particularly. Yeah. So that's called Hot Department Dark Web. I'm going to check that out 100 times, Claire. And I, I know, I know because it's weird and awful and you will love it. I love a weird, awful thing. <laughs> but those guys thing. are so clever. I agree. I'm glad Auntie Donna are like producing stuff. It's really cool. Mm. So they're using yeah, their powers got, to do good. more stuff. Yeah. They are correct. It's awesome. cool people. Very all right. Good. Over to you. Well, I love recommending things. I come to the show and I say, here's something that I want to recommend. And this week, Claire. Oh, God. God I don't actually, I don't have anything. I'm just things. spinning my wheels. I'm actually. Why are you talking <laughs> about flies and opening soft drinks? What are you, about? you brought that up. Anyways, uh, this is a docu-series, six episodes on Disney+. Plus. It's called Light and Color. Magic. Movement. Claire. Sound. So it's. Uh, What's so it, it called? Light and Magic. Oh, it is called Light and Magic. Oh, Light this and is magic. weird. You're bringing in the light and magic and I'm bringing in the dark, weird, absurdist stuff. It's true. Academy Award winning filmmaker Lawrence Kasdan, who you might know as one of the key writers on Empire Strikes Back and some of the more new Star Wars movies, he's also directed the movie Dreamcatcher. There you go. Uh, I absolutely did not know any of that, but thank you. He's great. Uh, And he takes viewers on an adventure behind the curtains of industrial light and magic the special visual effects animation and virtual production division of Lucasfilm. So you, it, it recognises a bunch of key players from across the decades of this company, including Phil Tippett, who's known for his amazing stop-motion, Claire, among other things. Joe Johnston, who started – he d- designed Boba Fett but ended up as a director. He did uh, – I think he did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and he also did one Captain America, first one. Uh, Patricia Rose – sorry, Patricia – Oh, God. Patricia Rose Dugnan. Is your brain broken? I don't know. What's happening? Dugnan. It's a hard name to say. Uh, Steve Williams. A bunch of other names in there that if you know anything about, like, special effects industry, like, people will hear those names and go, oh, my God, incredible. Uh, So this company was founded in 1975 by George Lucas, and the reason he founded Industrial Light and Magic Claire and kicked it off is because when he went to make Star Wars, he needed special effects, and nobody really did special effects. Like not, there wasn't like an in-house kind of team to do it, you know, like it, they'd done some space stuff in the past, but it was pretty shonky. 
there was some like 2001 a space odyssey did some but he needed like fast movement and lasers and puppets and you know creatures and stop motion and you know what i mean all of these different things and they and so that's how this this company started and it starts with like a group of students and odd bods who we kind of got together and they do things like they made like the death star you know like the surface of the death star and then to get the shots of like uh you know things flying past they would drive past it in a ute with like a with a camera on the back and just like film the top of the death star as they like sped past it so it starts off again, yeah, with things like stop motion. You know what stop motion is, right? Stop motion I animation. do know, Girl, yes, great. yes, yes, correct. And like puppets and like rear screen projection and very early blue screen is and that things why like that. Those actual, those special effects actually kind of look better in a way because they're more grounded. It depends. Like there's a lot of stuff from that era that is like not good. It's really about the time, generally, the special effects that you put into it. And the artistry, obviously, but often if you see like a bad special effect, it's usually down to budget and time. It's not, it's not normally the person's fault who who made it uh, yeah, okay. generally. There's, there's exceptions to that. And then it moves up from like the 70s and the 80s into the digital era, like the first digital character on screen, which is a stained glass man who like jumps off the wall into like morphing, you know, like Terminator 2, like the liquid metal effect. And then up through dinosaurs doing like a physical, like breathing creature, which had never been done before. And then into like mocap and digital people and characters, which is obviously really difficult to do, but they pioneered a lot of that. And then like the volume, which is kind of goes back to like the early days of rear screen projection, where you basically stand with a huge screen behind you and it like project and it like, it's like standing in front of a big TV and that's, you know, the background's behind you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all of that. So I like all the old, like, practical stuff. Like, that's the stuff that I find more interesting. That's not to say that there's more artistry in that but because um, it's all, like, all of this is, like, takes it's incredible skill. incredible what they can do now, honestly. Oh, it's amazing. Fl- really but I, mind. Uh, but I love seeing, like, the physical props and sets and, like, the pre-digital kind of stuff of, like, how do you make a spaceship if you don't have, like, a computer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How do you make it convincing? Like, I love I love all of that stuff and getting, like, and make, like, miniatures and make them blow them up so they look really big and, you know, and all of these different things I, I really like. And, um, you know, what are they called? I can't remember what's the name of it. I've completely blanked on the name. But basically if you needed a background of a shot, like you needed, like, in a set, look like a set would extend forever, matte paintings. They'd paint <sighs> a matte painting, so which they'd then lay over the, the film so it looks like, like there's a futuristic city in the background. Does that make sense? Yeah. But there's, I, I, I have to show you what to kind of. Yeah, it's like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like Wizard of They're Oz. Emerald City. Yeah, exactly. It's really great. I, uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's really cool because I'm, I was researching a thing that I'm, that I'm a video I'm going to put out in a while. But I was the stuff I was looking for for that wasn't something you're wasn't making. There. That no, no, this is a different thing. Oh, different uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I allowed to mention that? No. I have an idea for a short film that I'm like, I think I might be able to do this, but I'm also like, I don't know if I've got the time or if I even want to do it. It's really great. And you had it in kind of a dream and then just came into me while I was getting ready for bed and was just like, this is it. And and it terrified me. I think I've got an idea and I told you the idea and you were like, huh. The whole way through, I was like terrified, which obviously means that I think it's a really great idea. Also, I would probably never watch it because it's too scary for me. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know whether <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to do it or not, but um, I think I could do it. do it. I don't know. Do I don't know whether it would be good, but I could. I could I do think it. It'll be excellent. Yeah, but if people want me to do it, send me money. Send me a bunch of. No, don't do that. <laughs> it's joking. Uh, but no, light and magic. It's it's really good. If you like any of that stuff, if you have an interest in even any of those movies, like the look that like they've worked on. You know, from Star Wars through the eighties of like, you know, and it, it, basically every tentpole film that you kind of know they've worked on, like Jurassic Park, Avatar, you know, Indiana Jones, all of these things. They 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 worked on all of them. 
That you would know? be so fascinating, yeah. actually. And now there's like there's a thousand of these companies, and they're all like underpaid and overworked, and it's really terrible, you know, because it's like the whole things with like unions and pay disputes, and like for example, the company that made um, the Tiger in Life of Pi and did the special effects, they accepted the Oscar. I think that was like the day after they got shut down. They got oh, bankrupt by this goodness. this thing. So, and that's not uncommon. Like, that tiger is insane. It looks good. Incredible. You'd look at it and you go, "That's a real tiger." And but I guess don't what? like it's CGI not. animals, but that one was a good one. It's a good one. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's even if you know if you've got an interest in filmmaking, but I, I wouldn't even say that. Like, I just think it's just really just a regular Joe. Blogs. Just a regular Joe blogs. Hey, I will. I know I'm going to recommend something else now, but just before I do, mm. I have to say, I really think you should make this idea. I really, really do. And because I, as I've talked to you before, I feel like ideas visit people and if they don't get made by that person, they'll like chuff along somewhere else. And it's such a cool idea that I really think it's got legs and it'll walk along. So I think you are the person yep. to make it and I think it'd be really fun and cool. I mean, at the very least, I could make it and make a bad version of it. So if somebody else tries to make it later, <laughs> they can't because they're like, oh, some idiot already did this Don't idea, put that in badly. the universe. You have to tell the idea. You have to welcome it in and you have to tell no, it you're going to give it your oh, best I've, shot. I have 100% faith in the idea. I really do. Like, And I, I would I, I would like give it to somebody good and be like, Hey, I think this is an idea. I think you could make this. I don't have these ideas often, by the way. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It is so interesting like that. I love this discussion because I was talking to a poet, Tim Loveday, on the show. Yes. And he had this thing with poetry. Your show, Taunts, you're talking about your wonderful interview show. Oh, gosh, yes. This interview show. Mm. Yes, the one that I do. Shameless promotion. Clang. Anyway, Tim was saying that he doesn't believe in lightning strikes. He thinks they're very rare and that actually art is mostly just slog. Like you just yeah. sit there and you're just slogging it out. I'd agree. Um, and that it very rarely happens with a lightning strike. But I feel like I sort of feel like it's a bit more magical than that. I feel like maybe the lightning strike happens and then you have to work really hard to pull yeah, it out. This one was like I woke up with an idea and then I went and then I went, I should write that down. And I went, Oh shit, I'm tired. And I went back to sleep. And then when you wake up and you think you either can't remember it or you remember the thing and you're like, that's actually bad. Yeah, like it's usually it's bad. bad, yeah. And then I'm like, no, I think this one actually might be something. Like it was just like a nugget of an idea and then for like the next couple of days I didn't like write anything down. I just kind of like mulled it over. And I, when I came to you that. and I was like, I, and then I'd already like mapped out most yeah. of it except for the ending, which you helped me with. Yeah, mm. we, when you say helped, came up with the genius idea that you did come up with a really the Oscar good idea. for the short film. For the shortest film. <laughs> 43 just seconds. fascinates me so much because I think the thing that you're really good at is storytelling. Like oh, yeah. one of the reasons I reckon the Weekly Planet and all the things do pretty well is because you have this ability to retell a story in a way that's really compelling but also very straight up. Like you don't put too much waffle into it, but it's somehow you're just a really good storyteller. And your mum has that, that same skill, I've noticed, because she will retell a book she's reading or a TV show and I – and. She just really gets you in on it mm. and maybe partly because of your enthusiasm for a story because you love a story. Who wants a boring story? Claire? Yeah, but and but even stories from your life, I feel like you tell them really well and I think you get that from your mum because she will retell a story really well. As Whereas well. my dad will be like, yeah, one time <laughs> I was driving a ute when I was eight. He my tells grandpa, a great story Yeah, I know, but too. it's like my grandpa like – and I and I and I went up, and he was a real bastard. And I went over a bump in the Ute, and he like and he flew out of the <laughs> flew out of the Ute and landed in a ditch. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean that when? Why? Well, how do I not know this? That's a that's the funniest story I've ever heard. He's like, oh yeah, I don't know. I love that story. Yeah. No, both your parents actually are really great yeah. storytellers, and I think that's where you get it from. Anyway, you should totally make this idea. 
Um, yeah. Unlike me that came in here just before I go on, I am crippling with fear over this music album thing that yeah. I decided that I could do and be really lighthearted about. I'm like, let's just, you only live once. Let's just make something. That's true. You only live once. And now I'm in that horrible space in the middle of a thing where it's like, you know, that cycle. No, you're in that bad point of making a thing where you're like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And it's embarrassing and awful. And and also because a lot of the themes of it are about motherhood and my experience of motherhood, all of which was not rosy. And so I suddenly was like, I'm a terrible mother. I should be like, why can't I be like other women on Instagram and other friends who are just like braiding their daughter's hair and like loving being a mother at like daycare. And I'm like, it's so full of torture and pain and oh. Yeah, that's fun though, isn't it? Is it fun, James? Yeah, it's fun. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, it's fine. It's, it's going to be all right, Claire. You just got to push through it, unfortunately. You got to grit your teeth and just like and just down. make it. And, and there I, is so much good stuff in there that, you know, you, you can't see because you've looked at it a thousand times. And you spent a whole lot of the whole today like listening to a bunch of music from like amazing artists. And you're like, I'll never be this particular type of artist. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, because this person's like, they do different it's music. It's a really than fine line, actually. I wanted to talk to you about this very briefly. Well, I don't want to talk about it okay. at all. Well, it's a really fine line between. Watching a whole lot of content and absorbing a whole lot of stuff to then be able to make something because I do think that's a part of it. Sure. But also watching stuff that's too similar to your own and then being influenced too much by that that you then lose your own kind of uniqueness or approach. Yeah. And I just I feel like maybe today I tipped over. Tipped right over, (laughs) yeah. Because now you're like, I want to remake everything I've ever done. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> Sounds like a bad idea. And also anyway. I guess at some point you have to go, well, this is a time capsule of this point. Exactly. And, and you I'll can always another one. put it out and then, yeah, and make another one and yeah. try to improve or never reach those heights again. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, my recommendation is actually along this line. Oh, wow. So um, it's actually an Instagram account called Bing's Beats. Bing's Beats. Beats. Bing's Beats. Got nothing to do with either of the creepy, the white, the creepy Bing or the other Bing. None of the Bings. The Bing and the Bong? The Bing and the Bongs. No, Bing's Beats. It's created by a guy called Ben Ingvesson. Ben Ingvesson. And he plays the Kalimba. Are you familiar with the Kalimba? Kalimba? So it's kind of similar to, I guess, a xylophone in some ways. It has like a similar sound. Let me, hang on, I'll Google one and show you. See that thing? Oh, Could yeah. Everyone at it's home like a little flickety thing. Looks yeah. like a tiny little piano. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's got like long wall. metal bars and you kind of play it. Um, What's it called? A bing to blong? What's it called? <laughs> it's called a kalimba. A fling to bing. Kalimba. It's, it's called a fliddle dee dee. A fliddle dee dee. It kind of sounds like this. Oh, no. Whoops. Oh. It sounds like on. a YouTube ad. Sorry, Collins. Really Let me just. Collins, leave that in. It's authentic. People love authenticity. They say, wow, I love your show because it's the realist. And it's also the stupidest. That's no, what people say. No, no, no. Leave it in. Oh, let me just put it on. I'll just play a tiny bit of it on um, the Instagram account. Do I have to do anything? No, just okay, let great. me find it. Because I'll um, that'll be the easiest. You know thing. I love so about I you, you Claire. You always come prepared. <laughs> James, look, I'm an artist. Don't, don't. Just be so. Just mean. don't. Just don't be mean. So this is what it sounds like. Okay. See that kind of sound? Yeah, it sounds like Zelda's trapped in a water cave or whatever. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> anyway, so 
So that's a kalimba. I think it's really beautiful. Anyway, he's doing a video series where he performs duets of covers with singers, different singers. They're all women. I watched one today. I mean, they're all really good. There's one by a singer called Maggie Rose who covers a song called Pinpoint by Hayfitz, which is stunning. And then my favourite one was a cover of My Mind by Yeba. Now, I don't know if you have heard of the song singer Yeba. You probably haven't. No. She is utterly unbelievable as a vocalist. I bet you've got like a clip ready to go. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> anyway, I don't have a clip ready to go. Oh, really? Copyright and all the things. Sure. Anyway, but she has her vocal quality. I can't explain it other than that. It just goes every place you can imagine. Mm. And the, it's a little bit like the, the there's a band called George I used to listen I know to. George, like, yeah, yeah I like Katie Noonan. Yeah. She has that sort of sound, but it's kind of richer and it's she's so clever with the way that she manages to create so many different vocal sounds and kind of vocal gymnastics, but it's not overdone, I find. I don't really listen to a lot of singers who would do a lot of like yeah, stuff. Okay. It just is thing, not yeah. really my vibe. Yeah, that's But okay. she manages to kind of walk in both parts and it's just a little bluesy and just so beautiful. Is it a, would this, you say it's a little schmoozy? Schmoozy, yeah. Anyway, she has this song called My Mind. Anyway, Ben and this singer called Priscilla Stanley. Now, if you love really amazing, incredible vocalists no. like me at the moment, you should go and um, follow Priscilla Stanley because her vocal quality is just otherworldly and she does this cover of Yeba's My Mind with the kalimba that is just so utterly beautiful. And if you do nothing else after this episode, I know most people don't follow recommendations all the time, I would just go and listen to this, find them on Instagram and just walk, go for a little walk and listen because it's just stunning and just totally floored me and I've listened to it about 50 times today. <laughs> Oh, wow. And then okay. fallen into a pit of despair because she's such a beautiful vocalist. And I well, was like, I, what is the point? It's never too late to shoot. It's never too late to shoehorn in a bad version of whatever this is into what you're making, Chloe. <laughs> it's never too late to just go, so I know it's going to hit like track seven, that it's just like, oh, blink, 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 blink. And I'm like, oh, no. She did you the are thing. so mean. No, I'm sorry. No, it's great. Crushing my spirit and heart. No, but what you're doing, I'm saying, is great and it's enough and you don't need it. Just because you hear something amazing doesn't, you know, it doesn't make your thing less amazing, Claire, is what I'm saying. And the good thing about your music as well is it speaks to people, I feel. Like literally they're listening and they're like, <laughs> oh, I get it. This is me. You know what I should do? Emotions. I should put on the album that cover of Frozen. That I did for your brother. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. Was that for again? It was so awful. Was it for it was a school, school project? School yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. It was great. Look, let's be real. It was no my mind by Yeba. Let's let's be honest. Yeba. Anyway, thank you. I really appreciate uh, that. It was no Idina Menzel. Let's let's put that out there. I would go and follow Priscilla Stanley and also Bing's Beats um, and go buy yourself a kalimba. I have now fallen down a rabbit hole. I might be buying myself one. You should buy a kalimba. Maybe I will. You could call yourself Kalimbiana Jones. <laughs> Done. That uh, will be me. I, I mean, I could. we could talk about Rings of Power. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm prepared. Let's jack it in, I mate. haven't read the book, but I did prepare that. Okay, so, what do you, you got know, then for Rings of Power? I would think for next week, but I'm happy to do it now. Do you have the names of anybody associated with it? I, I do. I have mem. I have all. There you of them. go. You got some preparing this. I happening. did. I'm just like scrolling up in my little doc. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so let's move right along to Rings of Power, Lord mm. of the Rings. Of Power. Oh, of Power. So what did you think of it? I really well, I quite it. like it. Uh, it's also because I, I started watching it off the back of the Hobbit trilogy, oh. which is bad and long and goes forever. And there is this bit, there's a, like a discord around this in terms of like there's a competition between it and the new Games of Thrones show, like which is the better show mm. and whatever. And I think they both uh, have their strengths and weaknesses, Claire, I would also say. Um, but what I like about Rings of Power is that it's kind of, it does feel more like, like Game of Thrones is like a grotty, horrible universe, you know what I mean, <laughs> where you watch somebody get their tongue cut out and then a dragon eats them in half or whatever, you know? Correct. And they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, that was my favourite character, I think. Oh, but also maybe they killed a child in a previous episode. I don't know, or whatever. It's really hard to know. You know, there's a lot of that kind of going on, whereas Rings of Power, it is kind of more like a like a classic, uh, you know, Tolkien kind of fairy tale fantasy epic. Not, not that there aren't elements of darkness in it, Claire, because there's certainly It gets very is. dark. It's set in the second age of uh, Lord, of, or Lord of the Rings universe, uh, first age, so much magic and elves and shit, and people are like, oh, everything's fun and magic. Second age, drama, big-time drama, Claire. Big-time drama. So it's set thousands of years before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Thousands of years. But it's also leading up to the uh, the introduction of the first Lord of the Rings movie, you know, when they cut the hand off the finger, the ring off Sauron, and then they go to throw the ring in the whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's some people, some actual like not elves, some like human characters who will – make appearances at that particular battle. Mm, even though it's thousands of years later. I really love that. I love the costuming of this. Yeah, well, it's a very expensive it's just, show. Oh, my it's God. Like, it feels expensive. Like yeah. everything, the world of it, I was immediately swept There's away. There's not a single frame of this that doesn't look like real or incredible. It's, it is absolutely, like, it's probably the best-looking show ever made. I totally <laughs> agree with that. I, I mean, and you, so can, so you can say, like, I, artistically I don't agree with, like, particular choices, but I'm just talking, like, the money that is put and the artistry mm. and the time. It's clearly, you can see why it's the most expensive show ever made. What's so interesting about it, though, right, is that sometimes that kind of budget, and I don't really know, but I'm assuming budget can be spent and it not, like, really nail it. And yeah. sometimes budget cannot be that big and sometimes they do really nail it. There's a show called Foundation that went to Apple, which is a sci-fi epic set in the future and whatever, and it's this whole series of books and things and whatever. And it was supposed to, it's, it, it was propped up as like this is the new kind of Game of Thrones, when in reality the new Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones again. <laughs> uh, and it's just not hitting. And I, I, haven't even, I haven't watched it, but it's just, you know, sometimes, yeah, you put all this money and it just doesn't. No. My land. I don't know whether that's a story thing as well because, again, I haven't watched it. But for me, I like the story of this and I like the characters. And like you, like it really sucked me in like straight away. And I don't care if it's like, well, this person couldn't be alive because they were at a different mount at this time. Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> they took out Tom Bombadil from the original Lord of the Rings movie. I didn't care then. I don't care now, Claire. <laughs> I don't care at all. 
fuck that guy. It was annoying. <laughs> I really like how there's all these interweaving stories and I feel like each story has someone in it that I want to know what's happening. True. Sometimes that happens and you're like, you remember in like this, lo- sto- lo- like, um, ugh, this narrative. Yeah, gross. the one with like what's that guy with the crow in um, – Game of Thrones, and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's back, the crow And they're like, kids. oh, they cut to like, oh, is that freak living in a tree talking to a boy yeah. about the future? boring. No, yeah. don't want to listen to that. But Brian, Bran, Bran, Bran. Is that his I name? I think his name's Nutrigrain. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I was always like, oh, come on, hurry up, where's John Snow? Yeah, when the zombies got in, I'm like, fuck yeah, kill this yeah. kid. Whereas I feel like in this, there's someone in each of the – moving parts that I'm following. I'm really invested in yeah, each sure. part of the story, yep. which I think is really cool. And you like the Hobbit stuff the most, whereas oh, for me, that's probably words. the least interesting <gasps> part of it. I love that. you love a weird roaming caravan and oh my goodness. weird hills and flowers and shit. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I just I love the world building of it. It's so beautiful. It feels like the yeah. way that we should be living, like really connecting with nature and I just think it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. And I really am impressed too. Yeah, so one of my favourite characters um, is actually Nori Brandyfoot, who's one of the halfwits. And actually the hobbits in this are not technically hobbits yet. No. They're halfwits because they're kind of travellers. They haven't, um, yeah, they, they become. They haven't settled, they haven't settled yet. And they haven't found kind of safety and security and kind of a lot of people don't even know that they exist in this in this particular era. Yeah, which yeah. I kind of really like and I like um, she, I guess, is kind of what you would say would be the the lead character of. Yeah, she's the your Frodo or whatever. Yeah, correct, exactly. But I just I love that actress. I think she does a really incredible job. Mm. Um, I also love Morford Clark, who plays Gladriel. I think she's great. Um, oh, I know there's people who are like, favorite. oh, she's too invincible and whatever, and oh, no. and then look, I don't. That's just like I think that is like there's definitely a faction of the internet that it's all about that. But I think as Gladriel, I think she's terrific. Like genuinely, like everything with her in this, I love. Really. Oh, so And compelling. she's so cool and so compelling and does cool action stuff and whatever and she's got like a darkness to her and she hates herself. And you really and like, believe, because I think what they've done such a good job of in depicting the elves, you really believe that they are centuries old. Yeah. Like thousands and thousands of years. And you, they do a really great job of showing you the arc of her story and how yeah. much time is meaningless to them because they live for so long. And I think you can see that even though she's got that really ethereal Kate Blanchett kind of stunning beauty, yeah, she's got yeah, you're right, such a darkness to her and such an old soul. Yeah, I just I find her so great. So there's like I think there's one elf that's not. It's like the head of the elves that you see. Oh yeah, and I'm like, this is like a guy. Like he's the only one who doesn't look like <laughs> he looks like a guy with his stuff. Yeah, on. like yeah, I'm like, this and you is don't a guy. believe that he's an el- he's a leader yeah. in a lot of ways. Like because Gladriel is technically one of the oldest elves who has been part of some of the most historical moments in Middle Earth. Sure, but not the oldest in this because there's like there are people older. Yeah, than correct, her exactly. And she's also known as Lady Lotharian. Um, and so, but in the period that we're following, she's a warrior who is intent on hunting Sauron in honor of her fallen brother. Who Finros. do you think Sauron is? That's a big mystery. Yes, I I don't know. I think because I know. I won't there is spoil a mysterious yeah. um, man that falls There's from the sky. A bunch of mysterious people. Yeah, and he's kind of magical, and he helps out the half foots. Mm. And then he's also being followed by three kind of witchy, wizardy. Yeah, and maybe one of them. Vibes. So I think I know who it is, but I don't want like if you haven't watched it yet. 
I think you should watch it or at least try it, give it a go. You might, it might not be for so everybody. You th- no, you think you I know think who I know is. who it is. I was talking to my brother about it, the one that Mason doesn't like. And, oh, and um, he you know, knows you know a lot of rings. He does. And you know what else I really like? Uh, there's a guy who's like the king of the orcs who played Ned Stark's brother called Joseph uh, Morwell. And there's yes. a guy called Ismail Cruz Cordova who plays one of the like woodland elven warriors. He's the guy with the short hair. Yes, and he's yes. like in love with the woman in the town and whatever. Yes. What I love about that guy is so like great. to an and like to an elf, he's like standard. He's like a foot soldier. He's like bog standard. But to like a regular person, like he's spectacular, right? Because they all are. But yeah. even then, he's not like he's an okay elf, which makes him you know good, but not great. You know, and I like that because yeah. he's kind of like oh god, like he's not like a he's not special, and that's what I like. That's what I like. Yeah, about but him. also he's got a lot of like. Bravery and kind yeah. of heart to him too. Big fan of that character. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. And I like how deadpan he kind of plays it. He's yeah. quite internal. Mm. And but you can somehow, even though he's really quiet and unassuming, you kind of see him like he's really in love with a woman that lives in the village. Yeah. And I love the way that he you can see that in his face. Yeah. But so much of that is done without any dialogue at all. And I love the story we haven't even talked about it, the um the stuff set in Moria with the dwarves and uh they've recast as well, um Elrond as with Oh Roberts. yeah, he's uh, really Mayo, great too. And her and, and his wife is really great as well. Oh, and she's so great. She's been yeah. in one other thing, I think. She's, she's amazing. Awesome. So there's Elrond is played by Robert Armeo. Yes, who's like He was young Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. Oh, I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. He's really great. And then Owen Arthur plays Prince Durin, the yeah. dwarf. And their chemistry their, That's like a given. Really cool. um, Legolas thing, kind of. If you, you know, if you're yeah, it's very funny and sort of brotherly and really cool. There's also, yeah. So who you're talking about? His wife is played by Sophia Nomvet, yeah, and she's Princess Dissa, and she is just so funny as well. Yeah, funny and kind of this big character who's also got a lot of fire to mm. her, which I really love. And you can see she's really intelligent and a great match for him. Mm. And she also is kind of um, really warm as well. I love the distinctions love they make between the different, like, races and cultures and places. And you haven't really you haven't really seen, like, we saw Moria in Lord of the Rings. It's a place they visit where the Balrog is, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, it's, it's, it's ruined by that point. And so just seeing it, like, in its prime and seeing, like, this whole underground city, it's amazing. It, 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 looks, it looks incredible. And look also, like, yeah, this is an Amazon show, and Amazon are a terrible company and all those things. Yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think the second, so it'll be the last episode this Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, the last one I didn't love, but the one before that I really, really liked where everything culminates and then kicks off. Yeah. And there's like a battle and then there's like a series of events that like culminate and to the end. All and all unexpected. Like, oh, my God. And I don't usually yeah. like battles and some of it I had to kind of turn It's not super battle-y though, I mean, it's is pretty it? It's pretty battle But it's there's not a all lot battle. Of, there's, what's interesting is there is a lot of strategy within yeah. it. And then there's also kind of people that come to save the day, but then that kind of turns mm-hmm. in on itself. Yeah, I won't happens. spoil yeah. it, but it is. There's lots of kind of plot twists, and then you it. find out like what's really happening at the end, and you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even like the, even the way that episode opens, because you think the whole thing is going to be set like in this tower, and this like this like this kind of castle kind of set up where the elves are protecting, and then they and then it's not like quickly moves to like a different. Thing. Like they set off like a series of traps. It's amazing. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. It Last episode really, again, really I didn't cool. love. I thought that was like one of the weaker ones, but I'm hoping this week it uh, it ends. It ends I really well. I quite liked this episode. I thought it was 
quite dramatic and kind of reminiscent of like World War Two or something. Yeah, sure. I, I, I also, I love that the orcs are British. They're like, oi, hey, blah. They yeah, they're always really Peter British, Jackson. aren't they? Because there's also like if you like the Peter Jackson stuff, there's a lot of – it's not – I wouldn't say it's like directly linked, but it's it's very similar in like tone and there's a lot of things they've borrowed from that. And I was actually reading this this week. So the Tolkien estate – they were shopping around what to do and they went to Netflix and Netflix actually offered up more money for to make it, to make something for the rights. Mm. But Amazon, they got over the line by doing a story in the second age that they wanted to see and they wanted the, 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 the estate's involvement. So that's why they ended up going with Amazon. But Netflix pitched initially to redo the Lord of the Rings trilogy and then do like spin-off shows for like Gandalf and Aragon. I'm oh, basically like Marvelify no. everything. And it just like freaked them out. So they went yeah, with Amazon, Amazon for much less money to make something that set in a different era. So I think because apparently there's some like Christopher Tolkien who's to, um regular Tolkien's, J.R. Tolkien's son, <laughs> he spent his years, and I got a video actually coming out this Friday about all of this. Um was it Friday? I don't know. But he spent all of his years, uh, the rest of his life went after his father died, like compiling all these notes and everything. And he, and he never liked the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, and so the, I think Netflix approached that estate. And Chris Falkman's dead. He died in 2020. I think to be like, let's do it right. Let's redo Lord of the Rings. And they were like, what, what are you talking about? Like, why would you? Redo something that yeah. was so And why would you? Iconic. Like, that's crazy. Just, it would be terrible. Yeah. I can already see it It's like redoing terrible. Star Wars. Exactly. And yeah. that's like I was so surprised by how much I loved this mm. because I really was so reticent to watch it because I remember so Same. fondly like, Lord of yeah. the Rings. I'm like, they can't remake that. Yeah. They, like, they just can't. And I was worried they were just going to hash over something. Mm. And, like, The Hobbit was so terrible I love that book and I just thought they're going to – and instead this was like just all these other characters they created because they're not all based on yeah. actually um, Tolkien's characters, are they? They're new. So a lot of them are No, new. a lot of them are from like, – Yeah, but a lot of them, are, lot new of them are new too, new, right? Yeah. Do you know who I thought was really great too? Cynthia Adai Robinson plays Queen Regent Muriel. Yes, she's great. She's, she's from Spartacus so, I think as well. She does a really good job yeah. of kind of being very royal but then kind of – um, compassionate but also conflicted because her father obviously didn't want, like was an was an elf sympathiser. Yeah. And for the kingdom they really didn't like that and so she's sort of stuck. And then I think her storyline at the end of this episode, I really, the, most, the most recent yeah. one, I just, I really liked that. And I like mm. the relationship between her and Gladriel. I think that's a really cool friendship to see. Yes. And a, like a relationship of two women who are in leadership, mm. which I don't think you always get to see. Because you might have like a Queen Amidala or I don't know, one woman in leadership. But it's very rare to see a friendship form between two different women yeah. who are both leaders and, and very competent leaders as well. Like Princess Leia and Mon Mothma, would you say? Yes, I'm going Correct. to say. Correct, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Is that the right answer? Yeah, that is the right answer. Correct. All right, excellent. I've really nailed that. Mm. Um, There's something I wanted to ask you about in well, I'm particular. Ready. Tristan Gravel plays Farazon, who is kind of like the Queen Regent's advisor and you feel like maybe not such a bad guy. But really I just wanted to ask you, is this the look that if you could pull off you would Ooh, want to pull off? Oh, I would love off? that look. Also, I'm pretty sure that that guy is not a good guy. 
from the show. That's what I mean. Yeah. I think he's not going to be I a think good he's guy. Bad news. He does have luxurious salt and pepper hair, though, and a, and beautiful eyebrows. Yeah, yes, beautiful eyebrows. He really does. So you know, you've always mm. got. Actually, you know who else I really love? Lenny Henry plays Saddle. Oh, yeah, Lenny Henry's good in this as well. He's yeah. really cute. He's Great. like kind of, I guess, the sort of leader of the Halfwoods. Yeah. Um, and he's a bit magical. He's got a little cane. He's quite funny. Got a little walk going on. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I bloody just want to go live in Hobbitville. That's I don't. Where I want to you do. break your foot and they leave you behind, apparently. Apparently, yeah, that is a bit brutal. But I kind of love that. I love the kind of you dark elements. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, you could believe that. What I find fascinating is thinking about what life would be like. Not obviously, we didn't live in the land with like magic things, mm. but. Our ancestors lived like that on yeah. the land in that way and there was a lot more emphasis on spirits and belief systems and having to live with the seasons and I mean, it's brutal as yeah, well. So is, I kind totally of that is, yeah. kind of element of it I like. I think I believe you have, that. You could have both, you know what I mean? We could make both. I speak so basically, and I think this is gonna happen at some point, and this is what my video is about this week. I think it's out this week, Matt's editing it. Christopher Tolkien came across some writings from his father that was a sequel to Lord of the Rings that he started and then threw away. Wow. And this is like it's like 13 pages. So this video basically talks about like the estate and like and but and and just like and and you know and and what this story would have been. And I thought it was fascinating. And Tolkien like and I think rightfully because he didn't think he could tell the story in a way that was compelling like threw it out. But I think there's a lot of stuff in there. I think they'll probably end up making it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But I, th- yeah, I think there's. Um, I just thought it was really, really interesting. Like what he wanted to do with it. Yeah. It's kind of this magical, this world because it's like a hundred or so years after the Lord of the Rings. So people have kind of forgotten, and not like in you know, and every every kind of all the creatures have disappeared, and it's just men. And then it's just like like an evil like rears its head again. But it's just it's just from people. Because these things like manifest in like different ways. Because the Middle Earth is supposed to be our history. Like that's what it's supposed. I think we're in like the seventh age or something. Um, uh, and that one's the sequel set in the fourth. So it's about yeah. It's basically like it's supposed to be like a mythological history. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that because mm. I thought it was had a lot of themes of world wars. It does. It does. It's totally. It's, it's got a commentary. Well, a lot of like he's got. He you know talks about like a lot of the stuff of like you know, destroying nature and, and, and warfare and all of these different things. And like, these are things that he experienced in world war one and he was against, and he, like, there's even, I think there was something about, they wanted to, I read this incredible thing this week and I, I'm pretty sure it's true where they wanted to publish Lord of the Ring or the Hobbit in, in Nazi Germany in like the thirties. And they were like, they wrote to him and they said, oh, are there any Jewish people in them? And he basically was just like, Hey, get fucked! Like that was like his not like, not like that, but like in a more eloquent way of like, well, like I think it's something like, well, there isn't, but what would it matter if there was? If like these wonderful people were in this books, like you just like threw it in their face. It was like, nah, get fucked! I'm not engaging with any of this. And because you know Nazi sympathizers now and in the 30s, they were everywhere. It wasn't just in Germany. You know, they were all over the world. Parties sprung up in nations all over everywhere. But um, so strange. So, yeah, what a time. And he just seemed like a really good dude, it seemed. Yeah, he just had a like a real respect and like fondness for nature and, and creatures yeah. and, and also obviously mythology and language and all of these different things. And I things. think that's why I love it so mm. much because the idea to, it just makes so much sense to me. It's so grounded yeah. in love it of nature. It feels so lived in, like all of his worlds, you know. And I yeah. think this show does a good job of showing that. It doesn't feel like, you know, sometimes in shows it just feels like like either sets or People are talking and it's just 
it feels like reading lines or like this. You yeah. feel like the history in this, you know. You do. You and really. I, again, read- I don't think it's for everybody. Also, like I've seen like a lot of a lot of insane criticisms, but like very valid criticisms of you know of the show. Things that I don't agree with, but um. That's so interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because I've just loved it, and I actually, yeah, some people have been a bit left cold by it or mm. not that into it, but maybe it's. For me, that I it's the dialogue is excellent, and the world building to me, mm. you're absolutely right. You go into the house of the dwarves, yeah, and you just you feel like it's a family home of yeah. people who've lived in a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what's so interesting. And then the elven kingdom and that and it's stunning. And there's a oh little moment gosh, I remember pointing stunning. this out to you when we we're watching it. There's like because when a dwarf is talking to an elf. They're different heights, you know. There's yeah. like a two-foot difference. But those guys in real life are like the same size. Mm. And so one of them's holding a goblet and it's smaller and it's like this beautiful like ornate like hexagonal kind of goblet. You know, it's got that kind of dwarven architecture. And then the the, the smaller guy's holding the same goblet but they would have had to make the exact thing but bigger so it makes him look smaller. And it's and they do, they do this in, for movies and TV shows and they did it for original Lord of the Rings. But it's amazing, like, and just, like, looking at that being, like, they had to design that and then make it twice to scale. And it's just a little thing. But if it was wrong, you, you would, you would notice, know, you know. But you don't notice because it's so You don't seamless. notice because it's seamless. Yeah. And, and and really it's, like, for a second. Yeah, Probably second. on screen yeah. for a couple of seconds yeah. or whatever. And that's so fascinating in and of itself, isn't it? But that, I guess, that attention to detail is what makes it feel lived in. Yeah. Because there's so much about each character and each world that is completely unique mm. to that particular race of people. The architecture, it's just. Yeah. I also stunning. like, and again, it's Amazon. So like the worst company in the world. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, and you, you know, that I would also understand why you wouldn't support something like this, but I think there is a lot of diversity, not only in the cast, but in like the people writing it as well, it seems. Yeah. I think that comes through. I agree. And the director too, three of the episodes are directed by a woman. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well. Like it's yeah, it's not, yeah, exactly. it doesn't feel, yeah, it, it feels kind of, I don't know, like um, It feels re- inclusive and interesting yeah. and cast well and not And cast... I think there's a way that you can do inclusive and it's bad and obvious or, or yeah, feels token. Yeah, but I guess what I was going to say is it's inclusive it and like diverse that. in casting but by no means tokenistic. Like, I don't I, think so, I, yeah. I don't think it is at all. It's, I think each character is just really well cast and, and really well acted. And some people argue that that's not true, but there's a lot of insane people it's who also insane. think. <laughs> I just think, I, I feel like I, it's so well done that I just what, don't even what? think that's an issue. I was so, so yeah. shocked when that became an issue. I thought, what? No, I wasn't shocked at all. What, what I hate about talking about, and I don't think we don't get it as much here, but like if, you know, you talk about this, you talk about She-Hulk, you talk about, you know, shows with women or people of colour or whatever, you know what I mean? Like minorities, I don't know. There's always this thing of like, oh, this is woke and this is whatever. And, again, there is times when like it's obviously done as like, you know, as they've, they've done it in a way that's really like distasteful or like obvious and bad or whatever. But there's so much of it is just not. It's just people just telling stories, you know, mm-hmm. and that's. And that's the only reason people notice is because it's not like the norm, which was just like a bunch of white dudes. White dudes. Yeah. And so. That's the baseline for a lot of people. Like this is normal. And, and when we say a lot of people, we're talking about other white dudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I Actually, there's this really interesting commentary I listened to about being white and male means that you're used to being the centre of all, of stories Yes, and the baseline. You're yep. used to like seeing your image and people that look like you being 
the standard. Yeah, that's of, what I'm like, saying. Most yeah. things, yeah. And so it's it's very kind of abrasive and shocking sometimes when you're shown things, things that you love mm. that no longer center you in the narrative. Yeah. And what's so interesting about it is that I've grown up and so many, and I can't even speak for people of color and um, minorities and you know people who are queer and just like you know. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm a woman and even I feel like that. Like I yeah. see narratives where women who are more like Sharon Horgan's writing, yeah. where women are actually depicted as real and their boobs hurt and they fart and they tell stupid jokes and they're flawed. And I think, Yuck. yeah, I know, but to <laughs> that me was... that's so refreshing. Yeah. But even I hadn't realised that I was just watching so much content even as a kid that was yeah. the baseline was so in my head when you think of a human, you think white dude. Yeah. Which is... Like ridiculous when you look at like however many billion, you know, is it seven billion we're at now mm. of people on the planet? They're not the majority white dudes no. <laughs> on any level. So I think that's part of it too, right? Mm. It must be strange having. I'm sure it is, and, but also we're not hard up for like white dude content. Like let's, oh, no, let's be realistic. Not at all. And that's why I think it's ridiculous where like if you just wait, there will be a character or a show around the corner that you can relate to. And there are still a lot of white dudes in this that's show. That's what I'm saying, exactly. It's like mostly white dudes probably. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't count them. Like it's not, it's not a priority for me. But also, and I, I know a lot of other people feel this way, and it's a lot of like a lot of voices who are against this are people who either don't understand narrative or don't understand anything that's not from their perspective or a perspective that they relate to. Yeah. Is that I like seeing different stories and different faces mm. and different ideas. Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want that? And even if you don't like it, maybe it's maybe this one isn't for you, or maybe yeah. it's bad. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's bad for you and not somebody else. And because yeah, objectively, from an art perspective, and I spoke about this on the on the podcast this week. I interviewed the head of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, David yeah. Martin Harris, and they're non-binary. And we were discussing this exact thing that it's just you're going to get better art because mm. you're going to get art from more different people with different stories to tell. And, you know, we can't keep telling the same stories over and over and over in different ways. Yeah. And I think that's really exciting. I also just, and I know this, I just honestly didn't notice. No. The cast was diverse. Yeah. Until I went to, like, talk about this episode and then I, I noticed the backlash, which mm. I don't know if people will believe me when I say that, but I really genuinely didn't. Just you just, you're above it all. No, and I'm not, that's not true at all. It's not true at all. But And I also thought maybe that's because things have shifted. The content that I watch tends to be quite diverse anyway. I don't know, but I just, it really, it didn't even occur to me until I saw the articles. But a lot of the outrage and things that you see in articles and videos and all these things on YouTube, these are like they're manufacturing, you know, content because it gets clicks, you know, and it riles people up. So a lot of the time this is happening because people make money off it. Like but Mason and I will talk about She-Hulk, which I quite like, and I know there are people who will be like, you know, you got paid by Disney and whatever, which is obviously I wish. I fucking wish. I wish. I did, yeah. <laughs> but um, because what a story. Because I would just tell everybody, like if it happened. Like I wait for the Indiana to tell well. I always like, brand sometimes I, and you just say things. Like if I wanted to make money though, if I actually wanted to make real money, I could just turn and just be like everything's too woke and I could just – I could. Fl- I don't know whether it would last me long term necessarily, but that's where the money and views are right now. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That is so interesting. We operate in such different universes Boy, do we. online. But I think the next part of like uh, creating art, not the next part, but an element of creating art, and I- I'm talking all art, is is wealth. 
because a lot of the art, and that goes down to even podcasts, comes yes. down to having money to be able to do it. That is the exact conversation I had with David on the show ah. because they came from a very tiny remote country town mm. where there was no one else who was queer or non-binary and so they left when they were 16 and went to the big city to study and then ended up in a career in the arts and at very the kind of upper echelon like, you know, um, West Australian Ballet and so like symphony orchestra, like so far. super yeah. smart, super smart person, but also operating these really wealthy mm. communities and they were saying that they hated it because there was so much snobbery. Like to be a ballet dancer, you for the most part, unless you get a scholarship, you have to come from a wealthy family yeah. because in order to spend that amount of time on your art, you have to – basically have a giant safety net. Yes. And, he's, and it, I think it's the same with a lot of sport as well, you know. Not always, yeah. and this is not strictly true, but if you look at like a lot of the people who are writers, creators, podcasters, actors, directors, they all are from, if not an industry, a similar industry, they're from money. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, I hadn't ever really thought deeply about Me that neither. before. And I actually think making what I'm doing at the moment has made me think about it a lot. Because I'm at a point in my life where I have got some, I'm financially comfortable Mm. and it's a real privilege that I can then take some time out to devote to making some music because I want to do it. Yeah. And it made me really think I I have this massive luxury. I don't have to make it be my living. Um, And I... And then I thought to myself, how many women and people of colour and people from minorities are we not hearing from because of that reason? Because financially they can't spend that amount of time. Yeah. And then when and the stories that we're missing out on, you know, because of that. Um, Absolutely. And it's boring if we're all. Just it is boring. So boring. So it's so interesting you bring that up. I'm really obsessed with that too because yeah. I think because like if you're a painter and uh, people get it, if you, you need and you need time to paint. So much Someone time. has to pay for that, you know. Yeah. Not the, you know what I mean. Like, There's nothing that like being mediocre musician <laughs> and starting on a thing and realizing how far you've got to go and how many hours you have to put in to get to something that you're happy with. Yeah. You know, and that's just it's so it's like depressing, but also it's so in awe of someone. It's very rare that people are just naturally talented at that point. There's mm. so much work that has to go in. Uh, but I think David's point was interesting too about wealth because they were saying that there's a snobbery around what constitutes good art mm. and actually just because someone hasn't had the university education and uses correct grammar and spelling, all of those things, doesn't mean that what they're making isn't wonderful I completely and agree, moving yeah. and sometimes more authentic and mm. more powerful and that's why working as they do at the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, I think, has been really inspiring because they're just seeing a different, you know, a a really diverse range of art and Mm. film made from their community. So anyway, that interview's on Tons if you want to listen to it. Anyway, I feel validated that everything I've ever got is pure talent and nobody's ever helped me, not (laughs) even for a single second. Uh, Claire, we got to wrap up the show, but before we, we wrap up the show, I say to you, do I have a review? And then do I you? say to you, I do. And then I say to you, did you know you can review just in app? And no. I read out the reviews. It's true. I read a review, review every week. So people put in your reviews. Um, I'm ne- again, I'm, um, I'm near the end of reviews. If people want in, I'll 
almost certainly read it. Okay. Uh, this one is from HGNY23, who says, Magnificent duo, five stars as well. You can do it in any app. Incredible. Gotta love Claire and James. They're hysterical as well as inf- insightful. Also, we love Claire's bing bongs. Oh, thanks, mate. Does she mean, or he mean breasts? What is that? <laughs> Yeah, oh gosh, that's what the bing bongs have always been about. No, they haven't been. don't know how they started, but I love them too. Great. Um, you can also write into the show at suggestedpod at gmail.com, just like Deborah Shish has. Hi, Claire and James. Let's Hope go. You're doing well. I love your show and love hearing about parenting and domestic stuff, but only from you guys. That's why I want to recommend The King's Jester by Hassan Minaj. He's oh. one of my favorite creators, and I love Patriot Act and Homecoming King. This one is a lot more personal than those two. He shares the difficulty of conceiving and raising a child while also trying to become famous in a way that antagonizes horrible people. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I have many thoughts on that. I haven't seen it. You have That's not. That's my number one thought. Second thought, maybe this is something I should I look into. I think you should. It's on Netflix. There it is, The King's Jester. So I reckon, I like yeah, him a totally. lot, actually. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Okay. I never know with Netflix comedy specials anymore as well because, like, often it's like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, quite like a comedy special. Yeah, me too. Because you can kind of, you don't, it's a one-off thing. And also reviews don't help because I like oh, comedy subjective. So, like, I need to, you know, you need to start it. You know what you I mean? You do. So, you really do. Yeah, but there's so much just like, oh, there's too much cancel culture. Uh, I it can't say anything. It just fascinates me so much because, yeah. do you know, because I've curated my feed but also – it's just a different world that I operate in. I look mainly on Instagram. Mm. Everything I follow and watch tends to be really quite like open and diverse. You're in a bad algorithm, Claire. I'm in the bad algorithm. Yeah, I'm in the bad place. I just place. find that so interesting because in my universe, everything is becoming more diverse and more open and created by, um, you know, different no, types it of is people. With, and it is also what, what I, I yeah. hope so, at least, what the stuff that I'm, I'm engaged with, but I'm also in, like, circles and where you see, like, the backlash to that as well. Yeah, see, I never see that. It's interesting, but I guess that's just because I, I probably should diversify who I follow. No, don't. But I don't really want to. I don't follow these people that I, like, hate. Like, not hate, but you know what I mean? I'm letting their shitty opinions. I don't, yeah, I don't, not even disagree. I'm just like, this is a bad opinion, actually. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, you just see it. It filters through, you know. Mm-hmm. Or someone will be like, actually, you should check out this person's review because they know. And I'm like, that's the worst person on the internet. Uh, so I'm not going to watch that. So the moral of the story is be kind. Yeah, sure. And curate your feeds. Well, Claire, I can't wait to see uh, you t- reading that book next week so we can come oh, back. God. What was it called? Hail Mary Pass? Project Hail Mary. It's a Project Hail Mary. I am going to do it. I'm going to smash it out. Have you got it? Kindle. No, yeah. I audio booked it. Oh, no, I'm just going to read it. All right. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. Thanks, bye. Grab that, Jim. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.